Hello and welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live once again from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. As always, I am one of your hosts, Trey Dedman, and I am joined by Mr. Shane Reeves. Here in humid Brentwood, Tennessee. Humid, hot, windy, rainy. Well, I love the rain. The rain really don't bother me, but I, we were sitting here just a behind-the-scenes look at the cigar cast. We were sitting here preparing and talking about what we were going to talk about, and we finally both just said, hey, let's get that mics hot, let's light a cigar, and it'll all happen. <laughs> well, I'm just a little, I just feel a little bad, because I just got back from Florida yesterday where I brought all of this weather back with me. I'm perfectly okay with that. My subdivision is done. I'm not waiting on the rain to keep me from paving streets anymore, so I could care less if it rains so much that we start <laughs> gathering two of every animal. And all, but right now I could care for nothing more than to light up my cigar. Well, why don't you tell me which one it is today? So tonight it's the La Roma de Cuba El Jefe. Now we have—I haven't smoked an Aroma de Cuba on the show before, and I really like it. It's a really big cigar. Now this is a 58 ring gauge. It's seven inches long. It's Nicaraguan filler and binder, and the wrapper is a USA Connecticut Broadleaf. So, just a great cigar, really a decorative label. Um, it's one of those cigars that I actually I got into when I said, okay, I'm only going to have one cigar tonight, so I would always go pick the largest ring gauge and length of cigar I could put my hands on, and all, which actually would be probably less cigar smoking if I had just agreed to smoke two regular sizes. <laughs> but it's really, the thing I love about big ring gauge cigars is you can get a lot of complex flavor. You can get levels of flavor in that big ring gauge. You just can't get in a 42 or a 38. Well, it's funny. I still fall into that trap where if I'm not sure if it's going to be a two cigar or a one cigar night. Or I will. I will. The the Padron Magnum is a perfect example of a cigar that's way bigger than it needs to be, but is a great cigar. But it's just all about value for money and making sure I'm getting the most out of a single stick night. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, okay, now i got to go back to the real world at the end of this cigar, and I want to delay that as long as possible. So tonight I see you have something special there in the ashtray. I do. I think we should start calling that the bullpen. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Uh, it, Frequent listeners to the show will be none surprised by my choice this week because it's the first time I've had my chance a chance to get my hands on one of these. It is this year's Los Calaveras. I have kind of a love-hate relationship with the Los Calaveras. I love everything that Crown Heads does, obviously. The first Los Calaveras, which has now become the La Imperiosa, was just raved about. And I thought it was a great cigar. I didn't think it was the greatest cigar ever made. It didn't you know, bring me to climax like it did some people. And then the second year, which was 15, a lot of people didn't think it lived up to its predecessor. I actually preferred that to the original 2014. Last year's I thought was fantastic, and I haven't had an opportunity to get a hold of one of these yet. So I'm really looking forward. I haven't looked it up. I haven't looked at any of the reviews. I'm going in completely blind on this. Well, I've smoked two of them. In my opinion, is it's the most Nicaraguan crowned head cigar I've ever tasted. It just, to me, has a lot of that Nicaraguan feel, a lot of that Nicaraguan texture to it. 
I like the wrapper. It's got a little bit of a rougher wrapper on it than what you standardly find in the crown heads. Just a cigar of a lot of dimension. And, you know, I'm... Boy, I you wish get I, it right off the top, too. Oh, yeah. I wish I was a big crown heads fan. I've said that many times before. I will say this is the the best-looking label they've done on one yet. That thing is gorgeous. Well, and you know it's Nicaraguan because it's orange. It's orange. orange. <laughs> if I ever go to Nicaragua and there's not orange buildings everywhere, I'm going to be so disappointed. <laughs> I've got to have the feeling that that's what's going on there. But um, so you just been on vacation? Yeah, I took off. I, I actually learned something this week or this year, this week, whatever it is, that that I am going to carry into my vacationing going forward. So rather than take off on Monday to Friday. I took off last Friday, the weekend, and then until yesterday. So today was my first day back in the office. So I still got a week off with a weekend, but I got a short week leading up to vacation. So Thursday was my Friday. It felt pretty good. And then I come into, you know, of course the place catches fire, explodes, and the monkeys are running the circus and all that stuff while I'm gone. But I get back today... I've got two days to put out all the fires, then I get to get a nice little break for the weekend, and then I get to come back on Monday fresh, all caught up, and ready to attack. It, It's awesome. It's a great, but you know, my vacation theory, my parents were the world's worst at, okay, we've got to go back to work Monday, we get home from vacation Sunday night at 9 o'clock. And it's like, really? So I always, if I'm going back to work on Monday, I'm back from vacation on Saturday. That was something that I, I guess I learned that when Bo and I went to Mobile earlier this spring for a concert. And so we, you know, I took off Friday for work. We drove down and kind of hung out all day Saturday for the concert. But then we wake up with hangover Sunday morning and have to drive back. And then I have to get up and go to work the next day. I learned then, no, no, you don't take off Friday before the event. You take off the Monday after you get back so that you don't have to drive home hungover and and feeling awful and don't have to rush and you can actually get settled. Well, especially if it's less than a 12-hour drive, if it's something you can do pretty comfortably in an evening, maybe into a late night, I would much rather leave Friday after work and drive on into the night when I've still got the I'm going on vacation high. Absolutely. It's much easier to to get those extra 50 miles when you're excited about going on vacation as opposed to dragging your ragged butt back home. Right. So, yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of that. Vacation planning is really complicated because you got to figure out which cigars you're taking. We did a show on that. I think it was show number three or four. Yeah. We were actually talking about it. was right before it. you went on vacation. Yeah, it was right before my cruise. And I've got another one coming up. I'm going back to Costa Maya beautiful little island Costa Maya it's well it's not really an island it's in Mexico but the port is really a cool port um did the dune buggies last time I was there and I'll probably do them again so that I can be riding down the Mexican beach with a cigar hanging out of my mouth in a dune buggy you need to get the a-team theme queued up (laughs) (laughs) I can just see you with the cigar and then just Cresting the dunes. Cresting the dunes, jumping the hills. That's right. All that and all. That was where I was on the beach. We had just drove down there. It's this little private beach, and I seen a hammock calling my name. And I lay down in that hammock, and I reach in my trusty humidor and pull forth a feral flying pig. And I thought, wait, I'm still thinking American, apparently. 
And I looked at the guy that brought us there, our guide, and I held my cigar up and I said, is this okay? He said, he's Mexico. He's always okay. <laughs> I think I could have pulled up a joint the size of a 12-gauge shotgun and said, is this okay? He's Mexico. Everything's okay. <laughs> I've got to tell you, uh, one of the things that I did get to do because of how much it rained while we were down there is I got to go to one of my favorite shops down in Florida, which we always go to the same little area. It's called Rosemary Beach. So it's about halfway between Destin and Panama City Beach in the panhandle there. And there's a little place called PCB Cigars right there on Highway 98, right as you're getting into Panama City Beach. Uh, It's run by this guy named Peter, who is just one of the most larger-than-life people I don't use that to describe people very often, but it's that's Peter. He is just larger than life. He yells and screams and cusses at everybody that comes in his shop, but in a way that you know you're welcome. And got to sit down and enjoy a cigar with those guys. And that's one of those, yeah, picking out my cigar. I definitely, I definitely grabbed two Tennessee Waltz before I left town because I knew I wouldn't be able to get them once I crossed that state line. But... It's, it's also fun for me to be able to go someplace and meet new people and interact and, and find, find some hole-in-the-wall cigar shops when I'm out of town. Well, and I've never been into a cigar shop where the regulars didn't make you feel just like you were one of them from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Every time I go in there, there's always a regular there that's, hi, my name is such-and-such, and I'm a regular here and all that. And I actually have an experience tied to that this weekend. So this Saturday, wife and I had done a little running around and a little goofing off, and we had a couple of hours, and I said, hey, it's too hot outside and humid to sit on the porch and smoke a cigar. Let's go to Crown and enjoy a cigar. So we get here, and a guy comes in, and Beth was behind the counter, and he said, hey, um, I'm new here. This is my first time in this shop. I'm just in from out of town. Um, Can you help me out? So Beth went in there, and she hooked him up with a good cigar, and... So here's a piece of cigar shop etiquette. If someone's sitting there and they got their headphones on and they got their computer in front of them, they're obviously putting out the vibe, leave me alone. I'm having some me time, which is perfectly okay. That's part of what cigar shops are for. But he was sitting at the bar. He ordered him a beer. He was sipping on the beer, and he was trying to get conversation with Beth in between her customers and all. And I said, you know, I need to go introduce myself. So I went up there and sat down by him and introduced myself and said, hey, I'm one of the regulars here. I actually started the conversation in the best way possible. I said, so when I go into a cigar shop, I like to know something they have that I can't get back home. He's from Little Rock. And I said, you need to go in the humidor and pick you up a Tennessee Waltz. They only sell them in the state of Tennessee. (laughs) Yeah. I know, but unfortunately, that's one less Tennessee (laughs) Waltz that you get to smoke in this shop, Trey. That is all right. But I hope the manufacturer is right up the road. I've got, <laughs> I've got a red phone. But I but I hooked him up on it, and he really he was really appreciative. And he and I are sitting there talking, and I said, "So what do you do in Little Rock?" He said, "Well, I'm in the audio video business." He said, and "For the past 17 years, I've been working for a men's Bible study." I said, "Is it men's fraternity?" He said, "Yes." Well, I know I've talked to you privately about men's fraternity and how it changed my life and not just not really so much about the bible study portion of it it's just the the authentic manhood what is a man um and i'll get i'll come back to that let me circle back to that after i finish the story 
But I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, my name's Rick Caldwell. And I recognized his name immediately as one of the partners from Men's Fraternity. Wow. So I got to shake his hand and I told him, I said, you know, you changed my life. I said, y'all really did. I know I would not be married today if I hadn't went through Men's Fraternity. My business wouldn't be where there it is, where it is if I hadn't been through Men's Fraternity. My relationship with my family, so much. There's so many aspects of my life that this program that I went through touched. So it was a really cool cigar shop moment to get to at totally random. He said, yeah, he said, I'm up here for a wedding. My wife is at the mall, and I Ubered it over here to the cigar shop. That's awesome. And so I got a picture with him, and he sent me a video that's hilarious that I'll have to show you at another time. But um, they have a Bible study in Little Rock, Arkansas. They're doing 32, which is the new men's fraternity. They had to change the formatting of men's fraternity. Um, Someday when we do a men's fraternity podcast, I'll tell you all about it. But he... um, (laughs) What he said is they actually shut down that cigar store at 7 o'clock on Monday nights to have this class. And they had 40 guys there last week have this class, men learning about manhood and appreciating manhood and sharing life with each other. It's, it's just magical. It absolutely just warms my heart. I've probably took 15 or 20 men through men's fraternity since I went through it. See, I've got to say, that is one of those things that's really cool that it's just it's part of the cigar experience is you never know who you're going to run into that's a really really cool story well it's and it's it's not like he was a superstar athlete or he was a you know rock guitarist he was a celebrity to you right he was a guy that had that one he got a lot of satisfaction because he gets to see and he told me he said "I, i hear this every country or everywhere i go in the country I run into somebody that's done men's fraternity, and they tell me what you're telling me that, they, that it changed their life. And uh, and it's if you you know if you I hate to call it a Bible study because it's a manhood study. It's a study about what it is. Because one of the problems in our country right now, if I looked you in the eye right now and said, Trey, when did you become a man? Could you put your finger on it? No. Most men can't. We don't really have rituals in our society. We, t- we spoke about this a little bit last mm-hmm. week with rituals. I'm coming back to that. But we don't really have defining moments in our life where we get to say, I've, been a- I've become a man. Right. S- certain aspects of society tell us that there are certain thresholds that we cross, getting married, having kids, losing your virginity, whatever, moving out of the house, whatever it is. But there's no one thing that... because. Those are all components to manhood. Those are not the definition. Well, and men's fraternity explains the crisis of manhood in this country as going back to the Industrial Revolution. You know, used to, when you were a young boy and you came of age, you went out in the field and worked with your father. Well, what people need to understand, that's the best of your dad you'll ever get. Working side by side, shoulder to shoulder with your dad is probably the best you'll ever see of your father. And the Industrial Revolution changed that. Men no longer went out and worked with their sons. Their sons were left at home, largely. Mm -hmm. But men's fraternity addresses that and addresses a lot of that. It sounds like I'm turning this into a men's fraternity (laughs) But there's so many principles of that program that changed my life. And to get to share a cigar with one of the guys that started it all. He said, um, Robert Lewis is the head of the program. And he said, I told Robert, I said, you know, you ought to put this on video. And all. Robert was just preaching it and conducting the class. And Robert said, well, 
He said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll put it on video for you. I'll work for you for one year, putting it on video, and we'll get the program together. He said, and that was 17 years ago. Wow. <laughs> so, but it, it's one of those experiences you could only have in a cigar shop. There's nowhere else that you could come together with somebody like that and have that kind of interaction and get to know the thinking behind it. That's not going to happen at a Buffalo Wild Wings, for example. No, you're not going to catch that at a B-dubs. You're not going to catch that at a bar. You're not going to catch that at the movie theaters. You're only going to catch that when you come into a cigar shop and you choose a well-made, hand-rolled piece of art and you commence to burn it to the ground. (laughs) I've always said one of my favorite quotes as it applies to cigars you just reminded me of is Kingy Friedman ran for governor of Texas a number of years ago. He's also kind of a cowboy poet. He actually presented President Clinton when he was still in office with a box of Cuban cigars in the Oval Office to the president of the United States during the embargo. And he presents it to President Clinton. He says, don't think of it as us supporting their economy. Think of it as us burning their fields. <laughs> burning them down one stick at a time. Which actually, that was some news. Um, Trump repealed a lot of the Cuban um, travel regulations that Obama had put in place this week. Did you see that article on the news? I haven't seen much about that. I've been... It's the this little Bermuda's Triangle that we that we go to down it is is terrible cell service we can never get the internet to work it's a miracle i even got last week's podcast up <laughs> so i've the been, picture of you on the road yeah i've been pretty much in an isolation chamber for the last week so fill me in is that not the way vacation should be i think so I, I never watch. I, that's why i love cruises because you're isolated it's a reason it's a reason i tell people i don't read I am a voracious reader, but I don't read because as soon as I pick up a book, the rest of my world ceases to exist until I finish it to the point that I picked up an amazing book. That's what vacation is for, for me, talking about isolation. I picked up an amazing book uh, by Eric Lawson. He's a nonfiction artist who writes with a fiction style prose that just can't be beat. And... I've read 400 pages in like a day and a half. I mean, it's just, but it's that just sort of that isolation that I read one book a year and it's on vacation. So I'm really excited. <laughs> well, and a friend of ours here at the cigar shop yes. that's, that is now officially an author, he got his books in this week. And in a future episode, I definitely want to have Jay on to talk about Glasby's fortune. That would be, he would be a delight to have on the podcast. And I, I I am going to make an exception for my vacation book reading rule, and I am going to be reading his book very shortly. Yeah, I've got to go grab a copy of his book and read it, because I don't want to come and have him on the podcast having not read the book. No, absolutely. And and if Jay is just a wonderful human being, Um, even if he is a lawyer. He's a wonderful human being. He, He amazes me. Some of the wisdom he shared with me over a cigar is just absolutely astounding. And still to this day, as I'm walking around, and this is part of that cigar culture, there's people, when I hear certain stories, I say, I have got to tell that story to Jay. I've got to tell that story to Dave. I've got to tell that story to, you know, this is something that appeals to a side of their personality that I've only got to see while they had a cigar in their hand. I think that's, I think that's part of that commonality that allows you to get to know so many different people with different personalities 
we've talked about it ad nauseum on the show, but it's just one of those, there are so many different types of people that you spend time in a shop, create a home shop environment for yourself that you, you think of those people as your friends and family even. And it helped, it, it's, it's one of those, I get to bring that to the shop. It's kind of like what we do with the podcast, but it applies just to the shop environment itself. I can't wait to tell so-and-so. Yeah, well, it was funny. So another experience I had this weekend, I was watching a um, YouTube video because, okay, used to everybody said, read a book every month to improve yourself. Read something too. So when I'm on the treadmill, I'm on the treadmill for an hour. And I'm, by the way, 90,000 steps last week. Yeah. Did you see my 25,000 on Tuesday, though? I did. (laughs) Very impressive. But I'm on the treadmill for an hour, and I'm usually watching YouTube videos during this hour. And I was watching a video about problem solving. This is something in our modern era that now you can watch YouTube videos on self-improvement stuff. And I was watching one about problem solving, and they were talking about this little Hungarian village. And this Hungarian village was in a drought. And they didn't have enough water coming into the storm drains to actually flush out the solid waste of their sewer system. And they proposed irrigation. They proposed a new treatment plant. They proposed millions of dollars. And some guy in the back, I'm sure he was holding a cigar, raised his hand and said, what if we all flushed our toilets at the same time? And everybody said, that won't work. And he said, why not? Why won't it? What you need is a massive influx of water. If at 2.30 tomorrow, everybody goes in the bathroom and flushes their toilet, why won't it work? Man your battle stations. (laughs) They did it, and it worked. (laughs) That That is one of those brilliant solutions to a problem that never should have existed in the first place. I want to create a coffee table book dedicated to brilliant solutions to problems that never should have existed. Well, and to prob- solutions to problems that didn't cost a dime to fix. Mm-hmm. It didn't cost anybody in that village a dime to say, okay, 2.30, let's all go flush the toilet. <laughs> and, I mean, and you can even do double duty, uh, pun intended. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, now that I've brought the show to a screeching halt, why don't we take a quick break, uh, enjoy a little bit of our cigars, take a breath, and come right back after this. Trey here with this week's Cigar Etiquette Tip of the Week. As we've mentioned many times on the show before, When you're in a cigar shop, you are guest in someone's home. If you happen to be in a shop that allows the customers to have control over the entertainment, please make sure that you keep it at a volume that is conducive to conversation of others and also that the programming that you choose is suitable for all audiences. And welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane Reeves, sitting across from Trey Deadman. Welcome back, everybody. Trey, so you're about halfway through the 2017 Los Calaveras. Tell me what you think. I'm in love. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to ask it to go steady? I very well may. Uh, this has blown away all of my expectations. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I've always, I've always liked the Los Calaveras. It's never blown me away. I've always preferred 
the waltz you know if, if i given the choice between the new limited release or the waltz well since there was a both of them anyway i've always just preferred that cigar this this puts that on its head I, I can't even describe it's you're right it is the most nicaraguan cigar that they've ever made in terms of you just get that almost that dry i'm trying to think of how to describe that 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 dry smoke that I, I really like. It's burning nice and smooth and even. All of those spice flavors that I really like, it's it's really blowing me away. Well, and a lot of your guys that fled Cuba and went to start cigar companies started them in Nicaragua because the soils are so similar there. Right. And especially if you taste modern Cuban cigars versus modern Nicaraguan cigars, I think the Nicaraguans are head and shoulders above anything Cuba can produce. Oh, without a doubt. And I think that's largely due to them being actively in the market. Mm-hmm. And uh, now this week, going back to some cigar news, this week Dr. Scott Gottlieb, the new FDA commissioner, thank you, Mr. Trump, I'm very happy with your choice there, and he came out and he actually spoke to the Senate on behalf of premium cigars. Now, he had to be kind of vague because there is still a pending lawsuit. The lawsuit will actually be heard August 30th from Cigar Rights of America. Assuming from, they don't push it off again. Assuming that, once again, the FDA don't ask for it to be delayed. But he did speak and say that one of the confusing things he said is any decisions on the premium cigar industry have to be based on science. And I'm not sure what he meant by that. I'm not sure how to interpret that. Well, I know a lot of... So my recollection of where a lot of this came from was their attempt to regulate vape. And we just kind of got thrown into the hopper with all of that as being regulatory of nicotine and tobacco and that sort of thing. That's where a lot of it came from. We certainly got rolled into that with, uh, I think what they're looking for is food safety. I think that's what he, not to put words in his mouth, but if I had to guess, you know, the stainless steel tables that they were going to require all the cigars to be rolled on and those types of things from a from a food safety standpoint i'm assuming that's the science he's talking about from a foodborne illness situation at least i hope so because how do you scientifically say what tastes better or is better or because outside of those types of things i i agree with you i don't know how you can bring science into cigars yeah it's a um so much of the FDA's complaints on cigars is based on fear-mongering. And let's call a spade a spade. This is the FDA saying, look, the premium cigar industry, we can make a buck. Yeah. And they're trying to step in and make a buck. But he did step up and say something about that. Of course, the bill, state Senate Bill 294, is pushing for an exemption for premium cigars. It was introduced by Mark Rubio of Florida, which makes sense. A lot Mm -hmm. of premium cigars coming out of that area. So, um, Cigar Aficionado and all our listeners out here, I hope you take just a few minutes. Aficionado has a link where you can email Dr. Scott Gottlieb. You can email President Trump. You can email your local state representatives, your local senators, about your feelings on the FDA trying to just pillage and maim the cigar industry. And I will say this, you know, it's really important. This is what allows our government to work the way it's supposed to, is from input from the constituency. 
take the few seconds it takes to go find your senator if you don't know who who your representative is, find that person, send them. And I will say this, if you've got more than just a few seconds, paper still works a lot better than email and free form handwritten or you know a non-form letter is even better still. Even if it's an email, take the time to write something from your heart to to really get in the ear of that representative because that's the form letter is great. That shows our numbers, but you taking the time to put pen to paper or to type out a personal email, that shows the passion. And there's nothing more important in the cigar industry when it comes to protecting everything that we've come to enjoy about it than showing how passionate we are to the people that are in charge of regulating what we enjoy so much. Well, I've always had a theory that if you can't explain it in 25 words or less, you don't really understand the principle. But... You know, my letter to them, I used a combination of the form letter that Aficionado offers and my own thoughts added to that. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, it took me, I think I spent 10 minutes and 10 minutes to, you know, basically help save the premium cigar industry to help save people like Roma Craft, people like Don Gonzalez, who's been on the show. People like Crown Heads. People like Crown Heads. To, to save those people, to let them know, to give them a little something back for the amount of joy their product brings into our life, it's a small price to pay. I, I, I absolutely think so, because what is that 10 minutes for the out, countless hours that you're going to spend enjoying your cigars for the years to come? Yeah, and it's, it's going to affect your pocketbook. You know, if, if this goes through, one, all humidors are going to start looking a lot alike which to me is just the antithesis of what cigar humidor should look like. Absolutely. There's nothing better than going into a humidor and finding something that you've never smoked before that you get to try something new. Even if it's a cigar, it turns out that, you know, that it's not great. It's still, you got to experience it. So take a few minutes, email Dr. Scott Gottlieb, email President Trump, email your senators, let them know. We, we really don't want to see the FDA crashing and burning all of these really good cigar companies. So speaking of, you know, one of the things with this legislation, when it first, it's not even legislation, it's just a power grab, but one of the things that that really is going to curtail if it goes through the way it was originally written is new and innovative stuff. You know, it's going to basically, like you said, everything's going to be the same because it's going to be the stuff that's been in existence for the last, you know, six years already, and it's going to retrodate. But it's going to, it's going to rob us of some really innovative and cool new things. Like uh, Cigar Dojo this week announced that they're partnering up with Camacho to do an Imperial Stout Barrel Age cigar, which. You know, Camacho is one of those brands that's doing some really great things, pushing the envelope. Their marketing is fantastic. So good, in fact, that Taranio stole their band. And (laughs) uh, so I'm really excited whenever they push and, and innovate. Basically, what they're doing is they're taking some bourbon barrels that were then used to age milk stout or an imperial stout and then they're aging their tobacco in those which we've seen more of those coming out uh dragon's milk famously about three years ago came out doing that same kind of thing 
I'm not a huge fan of the barrel-aged cigars, but I really like what it does for the innovation. For the And I'm really looking forward to, because it looks like, based on what I can tell, it's essentially going to be the Blackout, which is a phenomenal cigar. If you've never had the opportunity to have the Camacho Blackout, everything you love about the Triple Maduro, but just up to 11. I, I really love it. So it, I think it's going to be a really, really well-done cigar. And I'm really looking forward to trying to get, trying, hmm, let me try that in English. I'm really looking forward to giving it a try. Well, and let's, so there's a lot of barrel-aged cigars coming out right now. You notice everybody's starting to release their barrel-aged brand. Is that just the latest cigar trend? Do you think it'll stand the test of time? What do you, what's your feelings on barrel-aging cigars? I don't, you know, I mean, if you think about it, the Maker's Mark cigar, it, it even though it wasn't barrel-aged, it's kind of infused, but they've been doing it for decades. So I, I don't necessarily know that it's a fad. I think, I, I think it is on the macro scale. I think everyone doing it, I think... You give us a couple of years, only ones that will be left are the people that do it well. Right. It's like anything. Anytime the market shifts, the top 1% or 2% remain. Mm-hmm. And everybody that just kind of does it so they can say they have a barrel aged in their, you know, in their repertoire. Um, well, it's like really everyone's coming well. out with a Nicaraguan right now. You and know, painting I, it orange. Yeah, and I, I love Nicaraguan cigars, but some people are better at it than others. And I think as a fraction of your line, you're more likely to break that off and discontinue it if it doesn't do as well, if it's not your bread and butter. Well, you know, I was here last Thursday sitting and talking with Austin. Had some time during the day where I ended up up here, and I'd ran a few errands and a few this and a few that, and... As usual, I stopped and said, okay, I'm going to have a cigar now. And was talking to Austin, and he was making out his Avo order, and we were talking about what to bring in from Avo. And that's one of the earmarks of a really good cigar shop is when the owner's making an order and he comes and starts talking to some of the regulars. Hey, what do you fellas want to see in here? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. he obviously don't have enough room in the humidor to put everything Avo carries. And I want the top four Avo cigars that you smoke, and I want to know, you know, what they are, what you're interested in, which is great. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I got to share with him, okay, you know, we need to get the Fogada in here. The Nicaraguan's excellent. I'm still not sold on the Ritmo. Um, like I said, I've got one more left to smoke. I bought three of them, and I'm still not sold that it's, that it's going to be right for my palate. Now, I'm sure there's certain people that think it's the best thing ever, but it's just not exactly right for my palate. You know, the Mazio that I smoked a couple of weeks ago, it was good, but I'm going to reach for a Kentucky Fire Cured over a Mazio because I like that stronger, more aromatic flavor. But there are going to be people for whom, you know, that, that KFC, it's you either love it or hate it for the most part. So there are going to be people for who the Mazio is, is a better cigar, and so it's... I mean, they already sold out of them here. I mean, they they were gone as soon as they came in. So that tells you that someone was at least trying them, if not liking them. Well, I noticed today they've sold out of the Charter Oak. He's got to get more Charter Oak in from Foundation Cigars. That was such a fantastic cigar for a really great price. I'm surprised it lasted as long as it did, honestly. Yeah, the price point on that cigar was excellent. The flavor was excellent for the money. It's you know, it's like it's a lot like this El Jefe I'm smoking. Mm-hmm. The price point on this El El Jefe under under ten bucks. 
and it's seven inches long. It's a 58 ring gauge. It's a lot of cigar for that kind of money. And that's another one of those kind of fads that we saw a couple of years ago, or trends, I guess, would probably be a kinder you know, phrase to use, but is the bigger ring gauges. Now, you know, you went for a while where everybody was putting out a 6x60 or bigger, and now the market has kind of shifted away from that a little bit. And the only ones that are left doing it are the ones that do it really well. Yeah, and so moving to a different subject, it's interesting. So when we record, Trey has his back to a lot of the shop. And I'm sitting kind of where I can see the old shop. And it's really exciting seeing the amount of guys from different realms of life that never would interact coming in here greeting each other shaking hands bumping fists is is it not just a great feeling it is and that's one of the things i I love when we record on your porch but there's something about even just the ambient noise that comes through on the mics that you can just hear the energy that's here it makes it really exciting not only to be a part of this shop but also to be able to record here as well yeah, great shop, and um, I've noticed since Austin's taken over, we're even getting many more lady smokers coming in here. I have noticed a remarkable increase. Yeah, since he's taken over the shop, it's became a more female-friendly type establishment, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, I'm one of those guys, I like to feel like a gentleman when I'm in a cigar shop. Now, do I want to feel comfortable telling a dirty joke? Of course. I'm going to enjoy a good dirty joke every now and then with the guys. That's just part of life. Half of the girls that hang out with us in here are actually tell dirtier jokes than you do. (laughs) Well, they they say that's the worst part about being a comedian is that somebody finds out you're a comedian and they proceed to tell you the dirtiest joke you've ever heard in Mm -hmm. your life. You know, an 80-year-old lady tells you a joke that you need a shower afterwards. (laughs) But that's one of the fun things is sitting around telling a good joke. I've always said jokes are one of the pieces of our culture they're probably the one of the oldest pieces of our culture that remain unchanged and they're passed down orally from person to person and every person adds their own twist to a joke when they tell it i always love when i hear the start to a joke that i've heard a million times but then i hear it told differently And it's usually someone who's from a different part of the country or maybe from a different style upbringing. You know, you can always see some of the path that that joke took that got to you versus got to them. It's it's really kind of fun. It's the, the oral history of sorts. Well, and there's always a couple of things I'm gonna have with me when I'm playing golf. I'm going to have, of course, clubs, balls, and tees. I'm going to have an extra pair of socks. Cause I, in case my, you get a hole in one. Um, yeah, <laughs> I need an extra pair of drawers for that. <laughs> but I'm always going to have an extra pair of socks. I'm always going to have at least four good cigars, enough to cover the foursome. And I'm always going to have a good golf joke in my pocket. I'm always going to have a good joke that you're waiting on the guys in front of you to clear off the green and everybody's getting ready to hit on that par three. And, you know, there may be a little wager on that. We may always play for a dollar for closest to the pin on the par three. And just a good joke to kind of break the pressure just a little bit. Well, and it's one of those, it's a, it's a little bit of a dangerous proposition to start telling a joke in a cigar shop. Because I don't, it seems like every time I've ever been in a cigar shop where someone tells a joke, it's the next hour. 
It, you can't just tell one joke in a cigar shop because it becomes that one reminds this guy of one, and then that reminds this guy of, one, and then it's just become, it, which is really really fun. I've heard some of the best jokes I've ever heard. I've I've heard in cigar shops. Well, and you know, just having that ha, develop a joke that you tell well. They're really, you know, one of the things while I was mentoring my nephew was teaching him how to tell a joke. Because he really came from a culture where they weren't good at telling jokes. And saying, okay, now this is a great joke, but this is a joke you've really got to have some experience under your belt if you're going to tell it. you got to be able to sell it. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to be able to sell it. You've got to be able to understand it. And, of course... Now that we deal with some more, much younger guys, you have to explain the joke. Which <laughs> if, you, if you have to explain humor, you went wrong somewhere. So we can't spend 20 minutes on the podcast talking about a joke without telling one. There's these bunch of old guys sitting around a cigar shop. And new guy walks in, never been there before. Like, like the scenario we've told many a times, guy introduces himself, tells him to join the crowd. It's kind of quiet. And then someone will just randomly says... Number 13, and everyone starts laughing. A few minutes go by, someone says, number 46, and everyone starts laughing. This goes on a few more times, different number each time. Finally, the new guy leans over to the guy that invited the group, and he says, what's going on? What's with the numbers? He goes, oh, well, we've all been coming to the cigar shop for 25 years. We've all heard all the jokes, so we just decided one day to give them all a number. So someone will think of a joke. They'll just call out the number. We all know the punchline, so we start laughing guy thinks about it for a minute and he goes number 27 it's crickets the guy leans over he goes what was that all about he goes oh some people can tell a joke (laughs) (laughs) i love that joke (laughs) i've I've always loved that joke that ranks among i always keep an 800 pound gorilla joke in my repertoire my favorite 800-pound gorilla joke. This guy wakes up one morning, looks in his front yard, and there in the tree in his front yard is an 800-pound gorilla. He calls the zoo, and they say, yeah, he's one of ours. He escaped. We'll send a guy right out to get him. Guy shows up on the back of his truck. He has a large steel cage, as you would expect. He pulls out this bulldog, a 10-foot-long steel pole, and a 12-gauge shotgun. Well, the guy walks out his front door. He says, listen, if you're going to shoot that gorilla, you leave him up there. I've got no interest in seeing the gorilla hurt. He said, no, 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 sir. You're going to hold the shotgun. He said, why am I going to hold the shotgun? He said, well, I'm going to climb up that tree, and I'm going to take this pole, and I'm going to poke that gorilla. When that gorilla falls out of the tree, Rex over there is going to grab him by the nads and sling him into that cage. We'll lock the door, and we'll be on our way back. He says, okay, well, what's the, what's the shotgun for? If I get in that tree and that gorilla gets mad and knocks me out, you shoot Rex. (laughs) So, one of my favorites. I always like to have that one on hand. Well, in the spirit of levity with which we have created here, why don't we go ahead and start talking about our cigar under $8 this week? So, this week, cigar under $8. Okay, I'm pushing the envelope here. I would like everybody to know up front. The Tabacero by Hamlet Parades. Great cigar. Hamlet um, is in conjunction with Rocky Patel. He actually came here to the shop and we got to meet him. He's recently immigrated from Cuba and he created these cigars. The Parades, 
the Corona, which is five and a half by 42, is an $8 cigar. My favorite Hamlet is the Solomon, and I love a Solomon cigar. Mm-hmm. And I'll, now there you're getting up to 980, so like I said, I'm pushing the envelope a little on this, but rich Nicaraguan tobacco, well constructed, one of the best constructed cigars in that price range. One of the best constructed cigars in the whole Rocky Patel lineup for my money. And just a rich, full smoke. It's very full-bodied. You better be ready to sit down for a little while. The good thing about the Solomon shape is it starts out, it tapers off narrow on the front and narrow on the back and gets fat in the middle. And I love that because when you first light it, you're drawing a little stiff because you're pulling from a smaller surface area. But the torpedo-type shape on the end concentrates the smoke. And then as it gets fuller, as you get warmed up to the cigar and you get to the meatier part of the cigar, you really get this huge flavor experience. And then as you work down, it kind of brings you, it starts you out soft, it gets really full, and then it slowly drolls back down. It's just a wonderful, I want to sit and relax cigar. Well, that is all. I actually haven't had one of those, so I'm going to have to find one and pick it up. Yeah, they have them in the humidor here. You can find them in any humidors. It's a really cool label. It's a green label with red with a red H on it. And um, meeting Hamlet here, he was just as good a person, and he really has a lot of passion for the business, which I always admire. And just getting to sit and talk to him about what made him leave Cuba and bring his cigars to us really a great experience and supporting because that's that's just a a wonderful cigar from a wonderful guy with a great company rocky patel is just a great company now that you mentioned that band i know i have walked by that cigar so many times and never picked it up i can see it on the shelf in half a dozen humidors in my mind that that'll be the next cigar i smoke but in the meantime i i need a little uh one-on-one time with the rest of this Las calaveras so Shane, I really appreciate you meeting me out and recording a podcast with me this week. This has been a a great way to get back from vacation without having to be too serious. Highlight of the week, share a couple of good cigars, share a couple of good jokes. It don't get no better than this. And folks, this is what CigarCast is about. If you want to get in touch with us, you can get in touch with us on Facebook.com slash TheCigarCast. On Twitter, Instagram, we're both TheCigarCast. And email us. We actually got an email this week from someone who had a great show suggestion. Really appreciate him listening to us and sharing, taking a moment to share some of his life with us and had wonderful things to say about the show. Please email us, info at thecigarcast.com. We read all of them and really enjoy that y'all are making this podcast such a hit and something we get to sit every week and have a cigar together and share time with you. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you all next week.